Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Mesdames et Messieurs, bienvenue à la téléconférence des résultats financiers du troisième trimestre 2020 de Cascade. Je m'appelle Takan et je serai votre opératrice aujourd'hui. Toutes les lignes sont présentement en mode écoute seulement. Suite aux commentaires des dirigeants, il y aura une période de questions. Good morning, my name is Takan and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Cascade Third Quarter 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. All lines are currently in listen-only mode. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. I will now pass the call to Jennifer Etkin, Director of Investor Relations for Cascade. Ms. Etkin, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining our third quarter 2020 conference call. We will begin with an overview of our operational and financial results, followed by some concluding remarks, after which we will begin the question period. The speakers on today's call will be Mario Plould, President and CEO, and Alan Hogg, CFO. Also joining us on today's call are the presidents of Cascade's business segments namely Charles Malot, President and COO of the Container Board Packaging Group, Luc Langevin, President and COO of the Specialty Products Group, and Jean-David Tardif, President and COO of the Tissue Papers Group. They will all be available for the question and answer period at the end of the call. Before I turn the call over to my colleagues, I would like to highlight that Renault de Medici's interim report released on November 4th can be viewed on Renault's website. I would also note that certain statements made during this call will discuss historical and forward-looking matters. The accuracy of these statements is subject to risk factors that can have a material impact on actual results. These risks are listed in our public filings. These statements, the investor presentation, and the press release also include data that are not measures of, of performance under IFRS. Please refer to our Q3 2020 investor presentation for details. This presentation, along with our third quarter press release, can be found in the investor section of our website. If you have any questions, please feel free to call us after the session. I will now turn the call over to our CEO, Mathieu. Thank you, Jennifer, and good morning, everyone. Overall, we are pleased with our third quarter result and the resilience and flexibility that our employees and our operation demonstrate through what are best described as ever-changing business conditions. Within this context, demand level of for container board, specialty packaging, and retail tissue product all remain robust in the quarter. In contrast, the away-from-home tissue business has seen demand notably impacted as COVID-related closure have reduced tissue needs for businesses, restaurants, and office buildings. In Europe, quarterly results primarily reflect the usual seasonal volume decrease related to the annual August production stops. Net earnings were $49 million, or $0.51 cents per share. 
This compared to earnings of 45 cents per share last year and 57 cents per share in Q2. On an adjusted basis, we generated 50 cents per share in Q3. This was a notable increase from the 30 cents per share generated in the same period last year, but is below the 61 cents per share recorded in Q2. On an adjusted basis, EBITDA of 162 million was 13% below the quarterly record level generated in Q2, but was stable with 161 million generated in the same period last year. This speaks to the benefits being realized from our improvement initiative across our platforms. On a consolidated basis, our adjusted EBITDA margin reached 12.7% in Q3. Slide 4 and 5 provide details for each of our business segments. On the raw material side, highlighted on slide 6, the Q3 average index price for OCC was up significantly year over year. The price was down notably compared to Q2, during which OCC pricing level temporarily jumped, and what we have previously noted was an unwarranted response to COVID. White recycled paper grade remained stable year over year in Q3, and decreased both 30% compared to Q2. On the virgin pulp side, hardwood and softwood pulp prices decreased both year over year and sequentially in Q3. Moving now to some brief comments on the performance of each of our business segments highlighted on page 8 through 11 of the presentation. The container board segment generated an 11% increase in sales sequentially. This was driven by a 14% increase in manufacturing shipments, partially offset by a less favorable exchange rate. Q3 adjusted EBITDA of 100 million or 20% on a margin basis, increased 6% from Q2 levels. This was driven by higher volumes and additional R&D tax credit, partially offset by a less favorable exchange rate and higher energy, raw material, and production costs in the current period. Our quarterly EBITDA margin was impacted by the destocking effect that occurred in Q3 after inventory buildup at the end of Q2, resulting in higher costs of production sold due to the rapid increase in OCC costs at the end of the second quarter. Note that the Q3 result also included an approximate $3 million impact related to the operational stop at our Niagara Falls complex due to maintenance and a disruption from the mill outside steam supplier. Additional manufacturing downtime related to plan maintenance and capital investment of 11,400 shortened were also taken in the quarter. Year-over-year -year, container board sales increased 7%. This was driven by a 9% increase in shipment that reflect growth of 12% in manufacturing side and 6% on the converting side. Q3 adjusted EBITDA decreased 15% from the prior year levels. This reflects higher raw material costs, a less favorable selling price and sales mix, 
the effect of which were only partially offset by higher volume and R&D tax credit recorded in the quarter. The third quarter result in the tissue paper segment are a direct reflection of the impact that COVID-related closure of businesses, office building, restaurant, and school is having on demand for away-from-home products. It is important to highlight that sales of retail tissue products remain solid, and we have taken important steps to reduce our operational costs and adjust capacity to meet the change in demand patterns with the temporary closure of two facilities. Third quarter sales decreased 14% sequentially, reflecting demand contraction that resulted in converted product shipment decreased 11% and manufacturing shipments decreased 23%. Following elevated Q2 levels, retail volume were down 11% sequentially, while away from home volume were down 8%. Adjusted Q3 EBITDA decreased $18 million sequentially, due largely to lower shipments, in addition to higher transportation and maintenance costs and less favorable exchange rate. Despite these challenging market conditions, Tissue Q3 adjusted EBITDA of $36 million represent a margin of 10%. Tissue sales were down 6% year-over-year, reflecting 11% decrease in shipment levels. Retail shipment increased 4%, while away-from-home shipments were down 27% compared to the prior year period the effect of which were partially offset by a higher average selling price and favorable exchange rate. Conversely, Q3 adjusted EBITDA levels increased $12 million, or 6%, compared to the prior year levels. This is a testament to the step we have taken to reduce expense level and control costs, which include the plant close in Q1 of this year. Lower raw material, energy and transportation costs, R&D tax rates recorded in the, the current period, and improved selling price and customer and product mix similarly contributed to the strong result year over year. The European box board operation generated solid Q3 results in line with expectations. Sales decreased 2% sequentially, reflecting lower shipments in Western Europe and the usual seasonal production stops in August. Adjusted EBITDA decreased $14 million for Q2 levels due to the same factor and higher maintenance costs. Year-over-year sales levels increased by 2% of $5 million as the benefit of more favorable exchange rate offset slightly lower volume and average selling price in the current period. Q3 adjusted EBITDA increased 16% over the prior year levels, the result of lower energy, raw material, and production costs, the benefit of which more than offset the impact of a lower average selling price. The Q3 results for the specialty product segment were stable sequentially and year over year. When compared to the prior quarter, Sales decreased by $3 million as stronger volume in consumer and industrial packaging were offset by the sales mix impact in, in D segment and less favorable exchange rate. 
Year-over-year, sales decreased $6 million or 5%, a reflection of the combined impact of the divestiture of European activity and closure of a mill in the second half of 2019. Sales volume increased in all sub-segments year-over-year. Adjusted EBITDA level decreased by $1 million sequentially, but were stable year-over-year. Compared to the prior quarter, Q3 results reflect higher sales and industrial and consumer food packaging, the benefit of which were offset by a less favorable sales mix and exchange rate and slightly higher raw material costs. Year-over-year, stable results benefited from higher volume and beneficial raw material costs. These benefits were offset by a less favorable sales mix and selling price and the previously mentioned business divestiture and closure. I will now pass the call to Alan, who will discuss the main highlight of our financial performance. Alan. Thank you, Mario, and good morning, everyone. So I will begin with an overview of our key KPIs on slide 13. Our third quarter shipments increased by 18,000 short tons, or 2%, from Q2, driven mainly by an increase of 14% in containable. The third quarter capacity utilization rate of 91% decreased 2% compared to the prior year and 1% from the second quarter levels. Working capital came in at 9.8% of sales, while consolidated return on assets stood at 12.8%. Moving now to sales, as detailed on slides 14 and 15, year over year, Q3 sales increased by 11 million or 1% driven largely by volume increases in continuable and specialty product segments and a beneficial foreign exchange rate for all of our business segments. Less favorable pricing and sales mix impacted sales level in all segments, except for tissue. Sales performance in the specialty product segment was impacted year over year following a mill closure and a business divestiture completed in 2019. On a sequential basis, Third quarter sales decreased by 10 million or 1%, largely driven by less favorable effects in all segments apart from European bar sport. Moving now to operating income in adjusted EBITDA, as highlighted on slide 16, Q3 adjusted EBITDA of 162 million increased 1 million from the prior year level. Stronger results in the tissue paper and box board Europe segments, coupled with favorable year corporate activities results offset the lower container board performance. Sequentially, <coughs> Q3 adjusted EBITDA decreased by 24 million or 13%, as shown on slide 17. This was driven by a weaker performance in tissue and European box board. Slide 18 and 19 illustrate the specific items recorded during the quarter. The main items worth mentioning are $13 million of implement charges recorded in tissue related to the revaluation of certain assets in light of the current away from home market conditions, $7 million of gains recorded in containable in tissue related to the sale of previously closed assets, and $3 million of restructuring charges that were recorded in the containable segment following the announced closure of a facility in Ontario by August of next year. Slide 20 and 21 illustrate the year-over-year and sequential variance of our Q3 adjusted earnings per share and a reconciliation with the 
specific items that affected our quarterly results. As reported, earnings per share were 51 cents in the third quarter. This compared to earnings per share of 45 cents last year. Both periods included specific items. On an adjusted basis, earnings per share increased by 20 cents compared to last year's results. Slightly higher operating results, lower financing expenses, and lower income tax were offset by higher depreciation expenses, reflecting business acquisition and operational capital projects. On an adjusted basis, sequential third quarter earnings per share decreased 11 cents per share from Q2 2020 levels, largely a reflection on lower re operating results. As highlighted on slide 22, third quarter adjusted cash flow from operation increased by 7 million year over year to 115 million. This reflected slightly higher cash flows from operation due to improved operating results and lower income tax paid, offset by higher net financing expense paid in the third quarter, reflecting the impact of the refinancing at the end of 2019. Adjusted free cash flow levels increased by 6 million year over year. Moving now to our net debt reconciliation on slide 23. Our net debt decreased by 95 million in the quarter. This reflects strong cash flow from operations, a positive foreign exchange impact of 32 million, and a favorable $30 million benefit in change uh, in non-cash working capital, partially offset by dividends and CapEx payments. Our net debt leverage ratio stood at three times at the end of the third quarter, down from 3.1 at the end of the second quarter and 3.25 times at the end of 2019. The equity offering concluded on October 22nd will further improve our debt profile in Q4. This, along with other financial ratios and information about maturities, are detailed on slide 24. On slide 25, we provide details about our capital investment plans for the full year. We expect to invest approximately $240 million in 2020, which includes estimated investments associated with our Bay Island project. We remain focused on prudently managing cash flow and managing our debt profile. Currently, including our recently completed equity offering, we have cash and revolver availability of approximately $1 billion. Mario will give you more details and will wrap up the call with a brief conclusion before we begin the question period. Thank you, Alan. We have provided details regarding our near-term operational outlook on slide 27 of the presentation. Please note that this outlook is based on what we are seeing today and given the current unusual circumstances may change in the coming months. On the demand side, we remain optimistic for our retail tissue and packaging solution in North America. Demand for consumer food packaging and corrugated product used in the food and personal care industry remains solid. Similarly, demands for at-home tissue products also remain good as people are spending more time at home. That said, predicting what the potential impact that the ongoing pandemic will have on both demand levels and demand pattern remain challenging. Giving this caution and usual softener seasonal demand in the fourth quarter, we are expecting the container board and specialty product segment to generate stable results sequentially. 
In the near term, performance in the European box board is expected to reflect continued uncertainty regarding the economic impact of COVID-19, with volumes and pricing expected to remain under pressure. That said, we remain cautiously optimistic in terms of outlook based on the essential nature of the products, steady volume performance year-to-date, and the good operational execution and management throughout what has been an unpredictable environment. In the tissue segment, seasonality and newer demand for away-from-home products are expected to largely offset the benefit from stable demand in the retail tissue. Pricing improvement in our ongoing improvement initiative in the fourth quarter. We are focused on optimizing production in our cost structure, which include the closure of two tissue facilities in Pennsylvania in December and January. These closures will, will not impact our capacity as these tons will be moved to other assets where production capacity has been optimized with our investment in modern equipment. Moving now to raw material, the recovered paper market remains stable in the third quarter with robust generation providing ample material to meet demand level. We expect OCC Dynamic to continue providing a solid tailwind for our paper mills with material remaining abundant and actual prices anticipated to continue. We're maintaining relatively high inventory levels as a precaution given the less predictable market dynamic caused by the pandemic. That said, we expect market condition to remain relatively stable for the remainder of the year. Conditions for the white rate were also favorable for our mills. The SOP published index lost another $60 US per short term in the last three months. Availability of material and reduced demands for both contributed to this variation. Material remained readily available and we continue to maintain solid inventory level. Sorted clean use and sorted residential paper boats saw tighter market condition in Q3, which impacted pricing and average quality of material for our molded pulp mills. Finally, conditions were stable in the virgin pulp market. We will continue to monitor global dynamics, planned on time announced by pulp mills, and the evolving demands in printing and writing industry. We expect no significant variation from this market for the rest of the year. Before opening the call to question, let me finish by saying that we are pleased with our performance in Q3 within the context of the challenging environment. I would like to thank every one of our employees for their continued hard work and resilience during these unusual times. As always, their health and safety remain our top priority, and we applaud their diligence to the safety measures that have been put in place in all of our facilities. Looking ahead, we expect our ongoing modernization initiative investment completed over the recent year to continue to benefit performance. Added to this, we began a margin improvement initiative across our North American operation earlier this year, targeted areas such as revenue enhancement, production and supply chain efficiency in our organizational structure. These initiatives are expected to generate a 1% annual increase in our consolidated EBITDA margin in each of the next two years.
Similarly, we expect to begin realizing benefit from the $50 US per short ton increase announced in the container board at the end of Q4. With that, we will now be happy to answer your question, operator. Merci. Si vous voulez poser une question, veuillez s'il vous plaît composer l'étoile suivie du 1 sur votre clavier téléphonique. Si vous voulez retirer votre question, composez le carré. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, simply press the star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Again, if you have a question, please press the star, then the one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Hamir Patel. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Mario, could you uh, speak to what, uh, you know, what sort of maybe EBITDA margins on a consolidated basis you'd be expecting for Cascad next year, given some of the initiatives you, you highlighted? Well, the target we're looking at right now would be around, I would say, uh, 14%. You know, we're trending uh, close to 13% now with the initiative we just talked about. We are looking to increase the EBITDA at least at the level of 14% next year. And you remember that our stated target is uh, at 15%, so uh, we're trending towards that. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, thank, thanks for that. And um, Ellen, could you speak to, you know, for the CapEx next year, other than Bear Island, what are the larger um, uh, projects in the, in the envelope? Well, uh, uh, we have not completed uh, yet our budget process, but what we can say right now there's a few lines that are still to be installed in tissue uh, as we stated before uh, during the course of uh, the first quarter so that would be uh, one of the major uh, the major project for this year and also uh, in Ontario in the container board and uh, maybe Shaw can expand on this there's a uh, following the 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 re, uh, reorganization in Ontario, we we will transfer some uh, some uh, you know, capacity to uh, to the other facilities, and some investment will be uh, will be needed. But uh, that's that's nothing major compared to Bay Island, obviously. So. Okay, thanks, uh, thanks, Alan. And uh, Charles, uh, another question I had for you was, um, you know, since you announced Bear Island, there's been some additional capacity announcements from Atlantic Packaging, and, and looks like Domtar is now looking at a potential second project. So, have those developments changed uh, how you prioritize, um, uh, you know, the, the in, internal integration plans for for Bear Island and uh, can you just remind us what what are you targeting at um, in kind of the first year of production? How much of that is going to be uh, source uh, sold internally, uh, and how much is uh, already committed with um, uh, offtake agreements? Okay, so Amir, uh, just maybe uh, to uh, complete on uh, on Alan's uh, first, uh, yes, we do have a project in Ontario that uh, will be in line with what we're talking about. Uh, we announced uh, the closure of one of our facilities, which is uh, based in Etobicoke. And uh, we're going to do about what we did with, uh, uh, with our project in, uh, in Piscataway, as we, uh, we are going to be selling uh, the building 
of which uh, we are reinvesting to uh, create uh, and install better lines, better equipment, and give us uh, more capacity that will come in uh, towards the end of Q4 uh, next year uh, and uh, and also in uh, in the year after, uh, which will be in line also with the the, uh, the the goal that we have in our strap plan to continue to increase. Uh, our converting capacity uh, in uh, in our group. Um, so this project uh, is well in line and um, uh, will be uh, will be good for uh, for Cascade uh, like uh, the, like the Piscataway. Way. Regarding uh, the the project in uh, in uh, the Bear Island, uh, you know the the addition uh, capacity, uh, some of which are happening, some of which are probably are not going to happen. I don't know, but. The ones that have been announced and started. Uh, this is uh, reinforcing the fact that uh, we need a project like Bear Island to be better prepared to uh, to compete. Uh, the line of product that we have, uh, we feel that um, it's niche. Uh, it will be uh, in the lowest basis weight. Uh, so we are very confident that uh, the demand is there for this product. Um, now, when we start, uh, we announced that about 50,000 tons of the uh, the product will be uh, used internally. We are continuing to uh, discuss with uh, our current um, customers uh, to increase uh, uh, the um, the wallet uh, the wallet uh, share uh, with them. So this is going in the right direction. Uh, and the first year uh, of production. Um, uh, this is going to be about 150,000 tons that uh, uh, we will try to find a way to uh, to develop uh, uh, the, uh, the um, customer's base for for that. Great, uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Charles. That's uh, that's all I had. I'll, I'll turn it over. Your next question comes from Sean Stewart. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning, and thanks for all the, the detail on the prepared comments. Um, a couple of questions. Uh, on tissue, with respect to the retail side, there was clearly some pull forward of demand in the the initial wake of the, the pandemic. You're, you're guiding to further volume pressure in, in Q4, which I guess is mostly seasonal. And, and, and Mario, you, you positioned retail demand trends as, as solid. I'm wondering if you can give us some context on your expectations into 2021 as um, economies presumably start to reopen and uh, with the vaccine and, and, and thoughts on the away from home volume trends as, as that happens as well. Well, I will let Jean-David explain the dynamic between, you know, the demands of the two products. But if ever a vaccine would be coming, obviously it would be a shift in demand for our product, you know, because the school, the restaurants, uh, the hotels will reopen, and this is largely what is affecting our volume right now. It is compensated to a certain degree on the retail side, but, uh, you know, so if ever the vaccine would be there, I think the normal business will probably take a year or two to get back to where it was prior to COVID. But obviously there will be a shift because people are looking to go out and and you know uh, come out of their house. So maybe Jean David, you you want to give a little more detail about the volume between the two dynamics, the two markets. Yes, Mario. Uh, good morning. 
So you're no, you're right. Uh, and to your question, Sean, the the retail volume is is really solid right now. We're booked uh, 100%. It's the the results of Q3 uh, were limited by lower inventory and in, in our capacity. Now on Q4, uh, the thing is we we're putting our customer on allocation as well because the demand is strong. So it's right now we're trying to uh, rebuild inventory to get the right or the appropriate service level to our customers. So uh, we're limiting the uh, retail sales. On the away from home, uh, Mario was right. Look, I think that uh, we we still have customers that are doing really well. So uh, we have about 40% of our customers that are at budget. So there's there's some uh, channels or market segments that are doing good. There's some uh, uh, customer also doing good on e-commerce. So uh, we believe that by focusing on the right customer, we can offset uh, the market condition. Uh, right now, we're doing slightly better than the uh, AFP number on the away from home side. So uh, uh, the problem is what we are overexposed on the away from home market as opposed to some of our our peers. So, uh, but we're working really hard to um, <clears throat> bring more volume toward the retail market and develop new product as well uh, for the pro line or the away from home line. Thanks for that detail. Uh, second question is on unrecycled fiber, uh, OCC specifically. It, it looks like those costs are bumping along the floor. At what point do you expect inflation for OCC, given all the recycled container board capacity that's going to be coming onto the market, yours, yours included, the next few years? How do you expect that to feed into OCC inflation, if at all? Well, this is uh, Luke. Maybe I can uh, try to answer your question. Uh, I, you know, I would be very cautious uh, to predict what the market's going to be in the long term. What I can see is that uh, since uh, uh, since uh, late spring, uh, we've seen uh, quite a lot of stability in the market, despite the strong uh, strong domestic demand. As you know, the container board mills now are running flat out. And uh, despite this, uh, this hasn't created any specific pressure uh, on the uh, OCC market. Uh, export outside of uh, of China also been has been also present in the last few weeks. Uh, but on the other side, you know, generation has been very good. So uh, so we don't see uh, for the moment any any challenge with the OCC price. So what's going to be in a few years from now, for me, it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get there. But what I can say is that if, is that the uh, generation and demand seems, to, we don't see, I don't see short term with what I have on the radar screen that there's going to be significant change in the market conditions. Uh, what it's going to be in two years from now, I think it will be too, uh, too 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 dangerous to to make a statement on that. But for the time being, uh, market seems uh, very stable. Okay, uh, thanks for that detail. I'll uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Wardy. Your line is open. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a few questions. A cu couple on container board first. Um, can you just talk with us a little bit about the cadence 
that you expect on the uh, the roll through of this uh, container board price hike? Okay, Mark. Um, the um, first, I can say that the uh, we're still uh, in line with uh, uh, with our um, uh, price announced price increase. Uh, our team are uh, working with our customers to uh, to implement that. Uh, we uh, anticipate that the uh, uh, impact uh, will start gradually uh, in towards the end of Q4, uh, but really uh, um, in uh, mid Q1 next year uh, will be uh, about 80% uh, in place. Okay, all right, that's and, helpful. And the delay, and the delay uh, is, as you know, we have uh, contractual uh, that. Uh, uh, takes uh, in consideration timing of the price increase, and that's why the uh, it's spread. So we always keep saying that uh, to be fully implemented, it takes about uh, four to five months uh, to to deploy 100%. Okay, all right. That actually seems a little bit shorter than uh, than some of your other kind of publicly traded peers. So that's good. Um, also on the container board side, can you talk with us about pre-selling some of that uh, incremental capacity at uh, at Bear Island, I mean, I just I, I think for a lot of us on the outside, you know, we have uh, we have Bear Island, and then not too far away at the same time we we have Kingsport. So, in total, it's a little over a million tons of capacity, and we all know that the open market has shrunk. So, I'm just curious about what you can do to really um, try to de-risk that project by uh, pre-selling volume right now. Okay, so um, like I said, the, the the type of product that uh, that we have uh, is uh, lightweight, high performance, uh, lighter weight than most of the uh, the install capacity, and even the one that are going to be installed. Uh, so we uh, our plan, like we did when we started uh, the green pack, um, is exactly uh, the same uh, the same thing. Uh, is we are going to niche uh, our product uh, to uh, uh, to be uh, able to uh, develop uh, um, the customer uh, customer base. Give you an example. Uh, everybody talks about the e-commerce. Uh, e-commerce uh, requires lighter packaging, and that can be done uh, in two ways. First, uh, design of the packaging, but also the weight of the of the paper. And uh, we are going to focus on that. Uh, there is a demand for uh, for this type of product uh, to uh, to to uh, respond to that uh, new trend. Okay, all right. Then just uh, toggling over to the uh, to the tissue business, uh, can you talk with us about any ability to swing capacity from uh, away from home uh, tissue over into uh, retail oriented tissue? Maybe just shifting the fiber you're using, or, or anything else you could do to just pivot a little bit. Yeah, no, hi Mark, yes, what I did. So uh, we're, we're working hard. Uh, there's new product coming. Uh, so, for example, you, we're partner with a, a major retailer to develop a new format, which is something uh, not available on the retail market for now, but that will be made on. A, on a bad tissue away from home line. So uh, that will book that line because uh, as I said earlier, the demand for retail is, is pretty strong. So there's a, what probably a 
three quarter million cases that we will be able to sell for that product only. So it's it's difficult. It's uh, most of the lines are dedicated, as you know, like multifold, single fold, or one thousand. Those are lines that you cannot do anything uh, other than away from home product. But definitely, there's some lines. Uh, Bat line, kitchen roll towel, those lines have been migrated to retail products. So those lines are fully booked. But all in all, it's uh, right now we're up to about 10% of the capacity that was migrated from away from home to retail. So we're continuing in, in that manner. But uh, most of the lines are away from home uh, dedicated, I would say. Okay, and then the, the the last area I wanted to touch on is just inflation, and we've kind of we've already talked about uh, you know OCC, and uh, it is pretty striking that we've seen this tightening in the container board market, and and not really seeing any pressure on on OCC uh, at this point. But you know this uh, lack of Chinese imports seems to have shifted that market. The other issue on uh, inflation, though, at the moment seems to be transportation costs. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your exposure to kind of higher trucking rates? Um, uh, markets, Mario, uh, basically right now we see a tightening in the transportation and we see that, you know, it's more difficult to get trucks and to service us and we see a little price increase, but this dynamic in the market of uh, logistics is really fluctuating. So. Uh, we feel it's temporary right now. It's probably related to the activities in the commerce business. So uh, as we are busy in the container board, people are buying more. I think it, it's related to that. If markets slow down, I think then we could see, uh, you know, reduction in, in pricing of transportation. We do have a center of excellence that is managing all our logistics throughout North America. And they're working really hard with the asset owner, you know, to... Uh, monitor and you know uh, manage the pricing that we have and uh, give them some uh, volume to maintain you know good uh, logistic pricing so we're fighting we're uh, you know working hard to reduce uh, this inflation and maybe we can add also italian speaking that uh, to mitigate that uh, with the acquisition of orchids and all the the modernization uh, and closure we're doing in tissue it's also uh, related to this and to optimize our network of product and so on to to reduce these costs given uh, what is happening on the uh, on the open market so yeah okay and Alan just any sense just kind of across all of Cascades how much of your trucking would be on um, you know on a contractual basis maybe an annual or a multi-year contract versus how much is you know, just indicative of these spot market prices we see? Well, we, uh, we've we made a lot, as Mario mentioned, with our center of excellence. Over the last uh, few years, we've uh, put everything together under one team. And now I believe we are maybe, uh, is it 90% contracted? I think it's a little less than that, but uh, we were in the high, uh, let's say, 70s. 70s are... are yeah. So we still have some road, uh, in road to do, but we have a, a large portion of our trucking that's already contracted. Yes. For some for one year, and some for a multi-year. Okay, that's helpful. I'll turn it over. Again, if you would like to ask a question, 
please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Zachary Evershed. The line is open. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Quick follow-up for you on the potential to migrate from away from home tissue into consumer. Uh, for those lines that could be converted, what intensity of CapEx would that require and what, what's involved in the transition? Oh, it's limited. Uh, we're talking about uh, a million, a million and a half per line for wrapping capacity, usually. So when you talk about a few lines, it's it's probably less than five million uh, overall. So it's it's not that much. Uh, but uh, the thing is, um, we're trying also to limit capex because we've shut uh, some facilities, as you know. So we have some uh, retail uh, bundling or wrapping uh, equipment that we're moving right now. So, for example, there's some uh, wrappers from Arizona that are now being installed in Granby, where uh, Granby used to be 100% away from home plant, and it's going to produce uh, more and more retail plants. So, as uh, Adam mentioned as well, the fact that we're having less sites is also helping us to uh, better manage costs and have facilities that are um, uh, both for retail and away from home, you know, because in the past, uh, Granby or Skipoos were 100% away from home plant, uh, and now there's more retail uh, in those plants. So on the West Coast, for example, uh, it's going to be 50-50 um, uh, uh, retail and away from home uh, next year, so uh, as opposed to 100% away from home uh, last year. So we're we're trying to uh, to move toward this with limited capex uh, with the existing equipment that we have. That's really helpful, thanks. And could you give us a ballpark idea of how many away from home lines are dedicated and can be converted in, in the network? And the number of lines, that's a good question. There's probably, uh, I will say five, maybe five plus minus one, four to six maybe, but uh, most of them, uh, can be converted with, with really limited uh, effort because it's already kitchen roll towel or single roll bat uh, lines. Uh, the one that required investment, there's probably uh, two or three lines uh, right now. But the thing is, by the consolidation, uh, we're also uh, stopping smaller or older lines uh, by consolidated. So as you know, we've, we've announced uh, Foreclosure. We've done foreclosure so far. We announced two more for the next two months. So uh, there's a lot of effort to consolidate and uh, focus on the, the right product with the right margin with the right customers. That's great. Thanks. I'll turn it over. Your next question comes from Paul Quinn. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. Good morning, guys. Uh, I guess I'll uh, start starting tissue with John David. Um, you know, I, I think a couple quarters ago when we talked about migrating uh, some of this away from home to consumer, you thought you could do 10 to 15 percent. So it sounds like, you know, you're at 10 percent level now, sort of moving up there, which is great. What surprised me in the quarter was the drop in capacity utilization from 87 to 73. Is, is that all on the away from home side? Uh, yes, but also on jumbo roll. And so uh, this is sometimes uh, something we sometimes forget. Uh, 
we used to sell a lot of jumbo rolls, so uh, we've shut down Memphis specifically, was where, which was uh, 35,000 tons uh, sold on the open market. Uh, so global, globally, that's why the uh, utilization rate uh, went down. Same thing on the West Coast. Uh, our integration level in the West Coast is limited, uh, so we had to shut down or curtail uh, both machines there uh, for a few weeks. Okay, so is it fair to say we're not going to see a big jump up in that capacity utilization until people are back back uh, back working in the office and and traveling? Uh, yeah, overall, but uh, we're we're just shutting down 50,000 tons in uh, PE over the next two months, so that will help uh, the total uh, percentage, if I can say. Also, the fact that we're installing a new lines, so there's four. Four new lines starting in the uh, first quarter of next year, all dedicated to retail. Um, so we will be able to restart um, Memphis uh, probably uh, first quarter of next year. And with the forecast that we have, uh, again, like Memphis, uh, all those tons will be integrated into Waygram, North Carolina, or prior Oklahoma uh, toward the mid or end of next year. So. The, the focus of increasing integration is, uh, is, is really a priority for us as well. So uh, by having the, the right machine with the right trims uh, to supply the new lines that we're putting into the system, it's, I believe it's, it's going in the right direction for, for integration, but also for more retail uh, product. Okay, and then uh, maybe just a question for Charles on Container Board. I, I couldn't quite understand. Um, where the tons are going on Bear Island on startup, it sounded like you've got 50,000 internal, and then you're looking for uh, partners for the other uh, another 150. So in the first year, it'll run around 200,000 tons. Is that the way that sort of balances out? About the first 12 months, yes, of, of operation. That's what we uh, that we know today uh, of what we're trying to secure. Uh, uh, that's about the split, yes. Okay. And then uh, I guess, Mario, just overall, um, you know, I understand seasonality in Boxboard Europe will be down, but it's, you know, it feels like Boxboard Europe is a different business than it was, you know, a year or two years ago. Is, is it, you know, is that true? And what are you looking for 2021? I would see the same progression, Paul. We've done a lot of work in uh, managing our accounts and managing our numbers of SKUs in Europe. And Michele has done a fantastic job of making a multi-mill concept. So now we can swing the product from the different mills. So uh, I think the progression you see in Europe for the last two years will keep on for ne next year. And you're probably aware that we just uh, made an acquisition uh, uh, in Spain. So this will help even consolidate our position in the south of Europe. And the synergies coming out of uh, this acquisition with the Barcelona uh, facility. So I think that uh, the improvement in EBITDA and market penetration will keep on going. So. Great. That's all I have. Best luck. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Plot, please continue. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being on the line today. Uh, looking forward to talk to you uh, after Q4, and uh, be safe in the meantime. So thank you, everyone. Uh, have a good day. Thank you. Merci, Merci Mesdames et Messieurs.
à la conférence d'aujourd'hui. Vous pouvez maintenant raccrocher. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.